it's like so many different layers. I think my mindset towards community building, I'm still super excited about community building in our new neighborhood. And I'm also so grateful that I now see people who are neighbors with their gifts. You're listening to more conversations at the center of the movement to build connection and belonging in an age of isolation. This podcast is for anybody who has ever wondered, what if I build all this community, but then my family has to move? Ashley and her family did just that. What I love is how Ashley describes that, yeah, they had to let go of some relationships when they moved, but because they had done such a great job of building community in their previous neighborhood, they had sort of built the muscle memory for how to do it again. And you'll hear in this podcast just how brilliant they are at meeting their new neighbors when they move in. You'll hear how this muscle memory was created first by Ashley's love of community building from a very young age, and then through a project that was supported by Starfire, a nonprofit that supports people with disabilities and their families to build community in their own life. And now they're taking that spirit and they're using the same models and lessons that they learned in their new neighborhood. Now let's get to Ashley's story. My name is Ashley Hart and our family did the Growing Christmas Cheer in Goshen project. Um, all right, so you you worked on getting to know your neighbors last year mm-hmm. through this project. Mm-hmm. And talk me through that year. What did it What did it look like? What did it take for you guys to put all that together? Well, it started off with me getting really excited about creating something new. Um, so I came with a list to my mentor of all of the fun ideas that I had and then kind of evaluating how those ideas matched with um, the community that we lived in um, and what would be um, a gift to them and and something that we could make memories together with them. So um, we kind of spent time connecting with um, neighbors in a different way than we had before. So um, we might go on a walk and stop over and say good evening to our neighbor or um, call them over and invite them over for dessert or whatever. And that kind of got the relationship frequency enough that we were able to have more conversations. Yeah. And were you bringing the idea of this Christmas tree project to them right away? Or how did you start on that path to get to that project idea? So I think one of the things that I realized for myself and took that to the way I was connecting with our neighbors was that I, in my own life, wasn't prepared for a big ask. And so I didn't want to throw a big ask at someone else. Um, Really, I was still putting feelers out to see if the idea that we had could even happen. So our neighbor happened to be a landscaper And so I didn't even know if you could plant Christmas trees in December or not, or if that was like not going to work, if the trees were going to die or if the ground was going to be too frozen or whatever. Because you guys did not have Christmas trees on your property when you started this. Correct. Yeah. But you had how many acres? 11 acres. 11 acres. And what are you going to do with it? How are you going to, how are you going to make that an asset to the community? Right. Um, And we had always kind of had a vision, even on our wedding day we invited people to come to our property and spend time there and 
we wanted it to be a hospitable place, but I don't think we had the tools and the permission that we were given um, to make it an official thing to yeah. like start inviting people and, and doing something unique for the community. So it took some permission seeking. I think so, yeah. which is weird, but yeah, I think someone saying like, here's some support and here's some encouragement and start dreaming. And I was desperate for the idea to be dreaming about something other than, you know, being concerned about what's going on in our day-to-day experience. Right. What was, what was your main concern at that point? What were you? I think I was really focused on ensuring that our daughter would be prepared to engage in her community. And the way that I thought that I was going about that was um, through, you know, therapy and appointments and things like that. And um, because that required so much energy, I just didn't think that I had any more energy to start something new. Mm -hmm. So you were trying to pave the way for your daughter to be part of community someday. Yeah. But you weren't really sure about how to go about it. And meanwhile, you had a lot of other things, the day-to-day appointments and things that you had to be doing that were taking up time and energy and effort. And then that permission that you got to do something off the scope of the therapy list. Oh, yeah. It was like, (laughs) it was such a gift. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, you know, you get stuck in like a in the grind of doing what's best and um, and the idea to imagine creating something that intrinsically you already know is what is good for you and what is good for your family and what is good for the community. And just someone saying like, go for it. Mm-hmm. It's really just, I have talked about that you're getting to lift your eyes off of a problem or what's perceived as a problem and getting to lift your eyes to like bringing beauty into your world and your community. Yes. So before you started this, was it a year long project about 10 months, a year long project? Before you started the year long project to plant Christmas trees Mm -hmm. in your yard Mm -hmm. and invite your neighbors to to, can you explain a little bit more actually about what that Christmas tree project was in the end? Yeah, so the goal was, um, so we started the project in July, and because of the event, our event was in December, so um, we had to kind of move quickly, but once we decided what we were doing, um, but the idea was to invite families in the community, so because it's a rural community, that's a wide area, but um, invite community members to come and to plant a Christmas tree on our land. And we wanted it to be a a healing experience for everyone who came. So we kind of talked through what's healing for communities and for individuals. And so we brought the five senses into the experience So we had art and lighting and luminaries and paths through the fields and Christmas music and a baker came and baked Christmas cookies that's Mm -hmm. from Goshen and um, 
hot cocoa and a bonfire. And so we tried to make it as memory making as we could by kind of sealing in those five senses. And then um, families are invited to come back each year and um, they can either take their Christmas tree if it's tall enough for them <laughs> or they can um, just check on it and take a picture with their family. And so that's been really fun to, to see families um, bewildered in the generosity. You know, families would call us and say, uh, okay, so what are the rules around this? Or like, well, how do we sign like ensure that this is ours and we're like well there's just a nameplate on it it's fine and so they've just been really surprised by the generosity of they it. also are seeking permission yeah to, to just to show just... up and have a christmas tree party right <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um it kind of shows that we've lost a little bit of our muscle for community building, right? We don't really know what to do in the face of something as ordinary and simply beautiful as this. It's kind of like there's a catch, yes. right? Where's the marketing right, here? Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. And we had a friend here at Starfire mention that, like, really we're just returning to our roots as rural people who used to sit on one another's porches and play music and eat together. Um, and so we talked about that that evening that Mm. like we want more of that and we really got a sense from our neighbors that they did too so um, people would come by and talk to me about like well I have this idea or I have that idea so Mm -hmm. we're hoping that it fosters more and more of that. Did many people know your family who came to the event how did you make connections and make that neighborliness happen? So um, it was funny because Several days before the event, we had no one signed up for the event. Seven days before? Several. Oh. Several. Like three or four days oh. before. We had like signs up. We had advertised. And and um, so really quickly, describe your neighborhood real quick. Because yeah. when you're saying you, you have signs and things up, it's at like the one library. Yeah. And maybe like there's... The one else? coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. There's one coffee shop. There's like two fast food restaurants or three and two gas stations and a library Um, otherwise it's a very rural community so um, we had posted things on Facebook um, on like the Goshen Facebook community page but then we had also put it in a coffee shop and so we really had no idea how many trees we needed so (laughs) we picked 30 I'm not sure why but (laughs) Um, and so it was crazy because somebody called like three or four days before and was like, I know it's really late, but is there any way our family could sign up? And I was like, yeah, we've got some room. (laughs) So you hang up like, woohoo. Yes, totally. (laughs) We've got one. And her friend wanted to sign up too. So that made two families. And what we didn't know, which I think is really important is, um, having people invested in the process Um, So neighbor Dan brought him and everyone he knew to that event. He was excited about it because he had done so much in giving advice, in shopping around for trees and going to get the trees, that he was invested enough to, to want it to be a good event and to want his people to come and experience it. And is this a landscaper that you had mentioned? So you said you had a neighbor? 
It's like, I mean, if you have 11 acres, how many neighbors are around you? Yeah, we have like one to our right and Got one it. to our left. Yeah. Then we have one across the street. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you have three neighbors in the vicinity of you, and neighbor Dan was one of them. Yeah. What a gem. I know. He (laughs) is a gem. (laughs) How did you meet him? Did you already know him? Yeah. He has been friends of my husband's parents live right next door also. So he's been a friend of their families for a while. And, you know, in, in rural communities, like, if there's something wrong, everyone shows up. But otherwise, you kind of naturally keep to yourself and sometimes you might stop over and say hi but this just was really nice because we got to spend more time together and and get to use um one another's gifts in a way that brought people together so that was great yeah so this was not the first time that you've been part of a community in an intentional way this this experience that you had in your neighborhood with your family uh was sort of precluded by your own youth uh-huh. living in intentional community being part of what was the other thing uh living living with a family yeah um so you've you've tried community in various forms yeah it's always been important to me yeah can you talk more about that um i think i've always experienced more joy when i'm doing life with other people and yet when you're doing life with more people it can be complicated too. So that's just part of being with other people. So it's a good thing to know going into Yeah, it. yeah, I think so. I mean you had seen some of the pitfalls of it, but you had also lived some of the joys of it and knew like I want this for my family now too. Right. And you know, even having your own family, that's a small community. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've experienced it in multiple different settings and really just treasured the gift of like people allowing you to be behind the veil of their front doors and back doors and like getting to spend real life with one another yeah and you've so you've sought it out in that way you've been seeking it Mm -hmm. um how were those experiences that you've had in the past in the intentional community that you lived in different from the one that you experienced when you reached out to your neighbors and sort of had this project type experience where you're connecting over a shared idea, a creation Mm -hmm. versus like all living together in the same house. Yeah. Well, it's nice because you have a goal and it's accomplishable and you're kind of bringing everyone in. So that's different, I would say, than just like all doing life together yeah I I think you have an event and done and that's done yeah you've all achieved something together and like you said earlier it's everybody finding a way to use their specific gifts like you had the baker right that came neighbor Dan brought the trees right you know there were other people there probably set up the decorations and had ideas around where to plant the trees or even the people who showed up that day their gift was their presence Right. And getting enthusiastic about what was going on, right? Yeah, and and everybody can kind of have a role there, right? Um, in in doing something that's kind of out of the ordinary, very out of the ordinary. Yeah, for Goshen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had one experience where it was like an art installation where we zigzagged rope through the trees, and everyone brought a little uh, lantern out, different sizes of white 
lit lanterns. And um, so by the end, they had created this beautiful art piece. Um, and we kind of talked about, you've all brought your gifts here tonight, you know, just being together. And this is just a display of what could be as we spend time together and do life together. Yeah. Yeah. I love that imagery. So we're going to segue. Yeah. <laughs> to the time you decided to move away from this place. <laughs> <laughs> the moment you made the decision after all of this uh, goodness had been created to say, you know what, we're going to we're going to try a new neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, take me to some of the decision making there and what was that like? Was it difficult? Were you anxious about leaving? Did you feel like what if we regret this because we've made all these connections? What was your motive there? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think one important thing to talk about as far as the project goes is we were in the midst of deciding while we were doing the okay. project. And so I asked my mentor, like, should we do it in Goshen? Should we do it where we think we're going to go? And we kind of ended up deciding, like, do it now and do it where you are. Um, and I think there's a lot of lesson in that, right? Like, we don't have to wait until we think that everything is right to start building community and start creating spaces of belonging for our neighbors and memory-making moments together. Um, that those are always good and always can be healing. So um, I'm glad that we didn't wait. And you also have a two-year-old, three-year-old? Three-year-old three-year-old, now. Three-year-old, three-year-old. Yeah. So as parents, too, it's like, well, I'm going to wait till my kids get older. Right. Things are less hectic. Yes. Um, so doing it in all of in the midst of all of it. Right. Um, and and what what's the value in that that you found at the end, even when you guys were packing up your bags and deciding to leave? Well, I think the biggest takeaway for us was that we built the muscle to like we now have the muscle to build community. And I'm just naturally looking for it mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm going like, oh, what could we do here? And so we've done um, a couple of things in our new neighborhood, not for any project per se, but just because we now have the muscle and we want community where we are. So yeah, tell me what what were some of the first few things that you did when you moved to the new neighborhood that maybe you didn't do when you first moved to your Goshen neighborhood, right? Like your old house. Yeah. So our new neighborhood, before we had actually bought the house but we were pretty sure that that's where we were headed it was trick-or-treat and so we were like okay how often are you invited to every single person's house at the same time like this is we can't miss this yeah that's a good point yeah like never (laughs) that's really true (laughs) yes please come knock on our door and we'll give you things right (laughs) (laughs) so um so we went to that neighborhood that night and just introduced ourselves and said we're probably going to be living right there, and um, we're eager to connect with you guys. And Wow. So even before stuff. you put money down on the house? Like, even before you closed on the yes. house? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were excited about building community there, and we really wanted to take what we were learning and not just leave it in Goshen, but to bring it along with us for all of us. So that's one thing that we did. And then, so that was in like 
late October. And then in February, we did like, we made jars of hot cocoa and um, put our picture on them and our address. And we said, we're your new neighbors. And nice. our daughter was in a little red wagon and just saying hello. And that inspired lots of conversations and people coming to our house and bringing us stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that kind of got the wheels spinning in the neighborhood, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you writing down names after each one? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. My husband actually was really intent too, which was, you know, a fun dynamic to see him starting to get invested in the idea of community building because mm-hmm. he didn't grow up building community like I did as much. So, And he was the note taker. He was the one. Yeah. 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 Wanting to know his neighbors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think what you just touched on that's really important is that sometimes we think we need to be the ones welcomed in. Mm-hmm. And instead, you guys were the welcomers to your new neighborhood, um, to your new neighbors to say, hey, yeah, we're here and we want to know you. Yeah. Um, so taking the first step doesn't always have to come from the other person. Right. And I think it's kind of fun for the neighbors to be like, wait, she flipped the switch. <laughs> like, what just happened there? Um, yeah. And it was totally fun for us. It was, um, we said we would do it again in a heartbeat because we got to go in people's houses and, and visit and people came in our house. So mm-hmm. it was nice. Yeah. When you left your neighborhood um, behind, did you have any lef- lessons that you were taking from what you learned over that year with the Christmas tree project that you were like, we're going to do it differently this time. We tried it that way, and now let's do it this way. Is there anything that stood out where you're like... Lessons learned? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the big lesson, my big takeaway from growing Christmas tree in Goshen was um, with a new event, a new project, no one knows what to expect, and so it's really hard to get people invested unless they're part of the creation of the idea mm-hmm. um and so we only had a couple of people who were involved in the creation of the idea and so that ends up meaning that you're doing a lot of the creation and administration of the event mm-hmm. and so my takeaway is um, in the future that I want our neighbors to be there with us going like what should we do with our community what would be something that our community needs that or wants, um, that would be fun for everybody. And so bringing everyone into the decision-making piece. From the beginning. From the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now we're trying to, like, backtrack and go, like, okay, maybe we do, like, a Christmas planning in July so that we Mm. get everybody to come together to start working towards the goal for the event. Yeah, and it's what you said before. Neighbor Dan was invested from the beginning, and he was somebody who brought a lot of people. Yes, um, with him, so right. the people who come, it's like it's hard to sometimes invite the whole neighborhood if it's just your your family. Right. But the more people who come, the more networks they have, and everybody's networks kind of show up too. But also, you're saying just the excitement piece and getting it all together, and you guys, it's not all on you as a family to to plan it all and dream it all up, but it's more there's more shared ownership. Right, which means there's more presence at the event too. You know. Yeah. There's 10 families that are excited about them. They're bringing all of their gifts and networks there. So that's a big help. So I think that that would be if I was doing it again. When we tried to do that, but I think we did it, you know, we're all just learning as we go. And I think we did it by inviting a group of people who 
we weren't good at explaining like this is kind of what we're thinking about we just said like come plan with us we're gonna do an event and Mm -hmm. they were like I have other things going on so um, sounds like work yeah, yeah exactly so eventually they came to the event and they're definitely a part of our community but um bringing people in early Mm -hmm. to help ideate and create it. What about just in terms of knowing neighbors and interacting with them differently? Are there things that you do as part of your lifestyle now that maybe you didn't do, you know, in your former neighborhood that now you can kind of, it's, I guess I'm asking that because you can reinvent yourself when Mm -hmm. you move somewhere. Yeah. You can be a new person in a way. Yeah. So there's a benefit in showing up as this new neighbor and saying, okay, this is the type of neighbor I want to be now. Yeah. I might not have been that in my in my neighborhood prior, but now I can show up. Nobody, nobody knows right. me and I can start new, right? Yeah. I think um, the only, the big thing that we've done differently is just at the outset, mm-hmm. let people know that we're interested in being together. Yeah. So um, a lot of people I've learned in like suburban neighborhoods like to play in their or do outdoor life in their backyard Mm. with their privacy fence. And so we've spent a lot of time like in our driveway and in the front yard and like going for walks and interacting with people that way. So some of it is just relearning how to be in a new environment too. Yeah, I love that. So you're spending time in the front yard so that when people get home from work and they pull in their driveway, you can be like, hey. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Privacy. There's a value of privacy that we have as Americans. For sure, yeah. Um, but we aren't necessarily happy in our private lives. We'd right. rather probably spend it with other people. We just don't know what that looks like anymore. do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you think that you have a different mindset than you started this with? And in, in what way? I, definitely, I have a <laughs> huge different mindset. Yeah. In so many different ways. I mean, it's like so many different layers. I think my mindset towards community building, I'm still super excited about community building in our new neighborhood. And I'm also so grateful that I now see people who are neighbors with their gifts. Like that, I think, is different than before Um, which is surprising to me because I thought that I saw people that way always but I think you know as we were getting to know people in our new neighborhood we were going like oh my gosh this is amazing we have this person across the street that does this or that is interested in that and I think before we were more probably just kind of trying to do our own thing and then relating to people as it happened Mm -hmm. whereas now we're a lot more intentional about making it happen that we connect with those people and creating spaces where we can do that together. So seeing those gifts as an avenue for this is how we can connect with them. Yeah. Wow, let's really, let's learn from that person or yes. is that the yeah. difference? Yeah, and I think um, even outside of our neighborhood, just learning how other people that we're connected with, how their gifts um, and who they are connect with us and vice versa and mm-hmm. Um, Like the common Commonalities, Mm -hmm. yeah. Things we're passionate about. So like, for example, my uncle is a musician and piano tuner. And every time he and my daughter get together, they just love doing music together. And so I was like, can we do this quarterly, even though you live two hours away? Can we like break bread together and do music together? Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that for 
two and a half years since we started getting involved mm -hmm. here. So I think just being more intentional and making it like happen, putting it on the calendar yeah. and dreaming in a different way. Yeah, and you and you brought up you brought up your daughter and I think I want to bring it back to this idea that in the beginning you were like I need to prepare her to be part of the community and what ways do you see her now part of the community and was there preparation in that in that or did it just sort of did she did she just get immersed in this mm -hmm. way through gifts yeah I think I've been really intentional about not putting her up on a stage to be engaged with but instead just being a part of our family and people engaging with us and with her, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Was that a shift for you to think of it that way? I think possibly, yeah. I think I had an intrinsic sense of her belonging and of her belonging in her community, but I think I had to learn like what things I want to bring our family around and to like to fuel and what things um, I want to invest in with our family, if that makes sense. Time-wise, even. Yeah. Like time. where you're spending your time. Yeah. Yeah. We did a study with our congregation, with families, and the number one asset that they all said, the number one deficit that they had was time. And so, like, that's your number one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to spend it where it counts. And so mm -hmm. for us, we've really decided that that looks like being together as a family and um, being with our extended family and being with our neighbors mm -hmm. yeah I guess that part of it in the beginning you were you were looking to therapies and things to mm -hmm. get her ready for people and now yeah. you're just like you're doing those things still yeah and I guess my my answer is that I always had a sense intrinsically that she belonged whether no matter what yeah yeah and um, I think that having conversations with my mentor affirmed ah. my intrinsic sense of her belonging. Mm -hmm. Got it. Does that make sense? Yes. Do you think that hearing that from somebody who is in the disability field mm -hmm. to say something as ordinary as like, go get to know your neighbors, was that because it's playing into your instincts as a parent? that you already know. Right. And it seems like most places aren't playing into those instincts. They're telling you we're experts and this is what we know that you don't. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, somebody to give you something that you already know as a way of life, mm -hmm. like it just you have taken that and it's caught it's caught on so quickly and so rapidly. Yeah. Um and so I guess that was kind of part of my question was like in the beginning you were waiting maybe on well, we got to get these things done. We got to line this stuff up, and then maybe we'll find community, or maybe maybe there will be a way to be connected to people, and maybe there will be a better time or something. And then hearing from somebody who's in this role yeah. to say like, "No, it's now that yeah. you do it. That you do it. It's the best time is now." Right. Um, yeah, I think it was helpful that my mentor also was involved in their neighborhood, like they're doing it. It was helpful that I've done it before, that yeah. I've been involved in community before and know the fruits of it, mm -hmm. and helpful to be reminded that it's good. And, and yeah, like my eyes were just stuck on ensuring that I did everything that I thought I needed to do to support her. And it just kind of like with blinders on, 
missing like the biggest piece mm-hmm. of providing her abundant community now mm-hmm. and connect making this connection well what i love about this too is that it is a metaphor for most people's lives is that we're whatever that thing is that you're trying to do the best at mm-hmm. do right at mm-hmm. is preventing you from just living and usually that yes. is all you need to be doing right <laughs> But we're going, right. you know, we're going, we're trying to succeed or we're trying to, you know, reach these different heights that have these requirements and steps along the way. And it's... Then we reach those and there's more. Yeah. 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 We're on like the treadmill of the institution and instead getting invited out of that and saying like, okay, I'm also going to look for, you know, something outside of those boundaries to build our lives on. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. So what is at stake for you for your family if you don't make an effort then to get off the treadmill if you don't make this effort to connect to the people around you um my daughter being isolated as she gets older and I mean for a girl who is it's in my bones to know the joy of community like that's just not an option Mm -hmm. so it makes me really sad to think of her facing isolation when that's just it's not in her bones either you know so um, were you getting a glimpse of that already I mean she's really young were you already feeling like that was part of your lives becoming part of your lives well interestingly like I was going to a lot of different community things events and stuff and we were the only ones there who had a child with a disability and so I was like and I know that that's not always the case. I know there are, but in the unique places where I was, um, that was the case. And so, one, I thought it was important that we were there. Um, and two, I just hate that that's the culture that that's set out for families with anyone who's marginalized, right? The culture being, we don't go to ordinary places in community. Yeah, being like, well, the culture being... You're welcome if you are a certain way. Yes. Yeah. So the culture speaking more towards the families of an, an unwelcoming sense mm-hmm. to say, like, there's a group for that, and it's over there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think one thing was we were just like, we belong. Yeah. So we're going. And she was really young. So, I mean, mm-hmm. when you go to a six-month-old story time, it's fine. Yeah. Difference is more evident as kids age but so I think as kids get older it probably would be more challenging to face that head-on for the first time without having some understanding and foundation of Mm -hmm. what do we believe about this what do we believe is true and as as you grow into connections in your neighborhood do you think that you're kind of heading off any of that uncomfortable feeling in the community when you as your daughter does get older. Yeah. It's interesting because because we have two or three intervention specialists in our neighborhood. And so you can always tell when people like have a predisposed idea. And so, you know, you just meet those in conversation and bring to the conversation what you believe in small snippets and then mm-hmm. over time. But yeah, I think I think we have work to do. And I think, you know, our daughter will lead the way in that um, with our support. Mm -hmm. So, but I think the biggest thing is 
I think maybe it was a quote that I read from Starfire about you guys were quoting someone that talked about like when you toddle no have people who have known you since you toddled Mm. do you remember that quote David Petoniak who holds your story who holds your story yeah they'll be like that's you know we know her yes yeah yes ending on a piece of hope what is one hope that you have for your family in the next 10 years um, that has to do with your community building work I hope that we establish rhythms with our neighbors that, you know, go on year after year and that we know one another's stories and that, like, when my neighbor's sick that I know what to make him because I know what he likes, you know, just, like, the good life of community that, and that if my daughter is out and she isn't supposed to be out, that, like, they know me and they know where to bring her or that she gets invited to the pool party across the street just the basic stuff nothing extravagant but maybe extraordinary in this time mm-hmm. yeah yeah it is extraordinary is there anything else you'd want to say i don't think so okay. i love that thank you yeah podcast please head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a review that way we'll know you're listening and it'll help other people like you find our podcast thanks so much